0: Hi, friends, welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help you figure out what's really going on in your relationship, to help get you out of that abusive relationship and get you on the road to healing and taking your life back. Today, I'm going to talk to you about is it attachment issues, is it insecure attachment, or is it abuse? Uh, this is a question that I get from time to time on social media, or someone will point it out. You know, I'll, I'll show some f- sort of covert abuse tactic, and a lot of people will come on and say, well, this is just a matter of, you know, anxious attachment versus avoidant attachment. And the big spoiler is, I thought that too for a very long time. Um, so before we dive into that, and, and you know, of course, I'm not saying that attachment doesn't exist, but we'll, you know, we'll get there. Um, I will do my struggles and successes for this week. A struggle is that I am having a flare-up of my physical health issues that I, um, so, you know, luckily, um, acquired while I was with my loser. sarcastic. You can't tell. Also, I apologize. YouTube, I am toasting. It's not even that hot outside. Um, but my car is very hot. It's all black. I'm wearing black, and I just, yeah, I need to adjust before I got in too deep and was just, like, sweating here, looking wild. Um... Yeah, so I'm having a flare-up. I uh, I think I did too much physical activity. I, I did a lot. It's not always like, oh, I just did a little bit and now my body's like falling apart. Um, I did a lot, I did too much. I was really running with it. And um typically what happens for me is when I have my physical health flare-ups, um I'll start to get pain in like my right trap, and then I get inflammation all the way down my right side. All the muscles, all the joint, everything. So I'm just sitting here like, uh oh. Um, and it can be frustrating because it's a reminder of where I was. It was, it's a reminder that this is how I lived for a very long time when I was in the thick of it and I was always under stress. I was always in fight or flight and I had this, uh, muscle spasm in my trap for, I can feel it right now. It's inflamed, but it's nowhere near what it was. And I had it like that for years and I just could not get control of the sort of autoimmune issues. Um, just physical health issues that I was experiencing at that time. So, um, that's my struggle. My success is that that is not my norm anymore. I do have flare-ups. They are frustrating and I do like to share and talk about them and remind people that this can unfortunately be um, our new normal after abuse. A lot of people, you know, have a lot of autoimmune issues from childhood abuse or neglect um, as well as from abusive relationships. So I have to keep that in mind. I mean, it's okay to be, you know, bummed out about it, of course, but I do have, you know, that is going to be my success is that you know, of course I'm out of that situation and my body is doing so much better, um, than it was a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, and so on. So let's dive into the question. Are you experiencing abuse or is this just an attachment situation? Is it just that one of you is anxious attachment and one of you is avoidant attachment and you guys just can't get on the same level or, you know, sometimes things are okay, but something comes up and you notice there's issues. Um, If you don't know a lot about attachment, I definitely recommend looking into it. Um, I'm not going to talk about all the ins and outs of attachment styles, but I will go over each of them briefly to the best of my ability with the disclaimer that this is something that I was learning about a lot when I was with my abuser. I read the book Attached. I forget who the author is. Um, And I don't remember how I found that, but I discovered attachment styles and this became one of my quote unquote answers to what the problem was in the relationship which is why I want to talk about this here. Um, attachment is a very real thing. Um, you know, when we're little, we develop either a healthy attachment to our caregivers or an unhealthy attachment. Um, the last I knew when I was learning about this, and I also learned about this, um, quite a bit in my trauma recovery coaching course is that it takes like 30% of attunement to your needs being met by your caregiver for you to hopefully have a secure attachment, which really says a lot because 30% isn't a very high bar, but a lot of us like those needs were not met even 30% of the time emotionally, you know, physically, all kinds of things. So what happens is a lot of times we end up with insecure attachment. We either end up with avoidant attachment where again, I'm very, very much paraphrasing because I didn't come on here to give a whole you know, 30 minutes about attachment style. So again, if this is something that you would like me to talk about more, I'm happy to do an entire episode about attachment. Um, there's also, like I said, tons of resources um, available online. Uh, but that avoiding attachment is like you start to feel like someone's encroaching upon you or you feel like, oh my gosh, some feelings are involved. I don't like this. And so you withdraw, you pull away. So maybe you're in a relationship or you're starting to see someone and someone comes up to you and says, hey, what are we? and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I liked you yesterday, but this is too much for me. I just need to withdraw. Maybe you ghost them. Uh, maybe you stay with them, but you're constantly like pulling back. Um, kind of what we think of as like closed off. These are some things that can come with um, avoidant attachment. Anxious attachment is typically what we think of when it's someone who, um, you know, you're anxious. You're you're kind of constantly wondering does this person love me? Where do I fit in this situation? Am I safe here? Um, because again, and I believe that with like the avoidant child, they sort of learned that their parents were unreliable and they were like, I am not going to lean on you because you're not consistently there for me. So I just don't need anyone. I'm just going to be independent and I'll take care of myself. Whereas anxious people, they're constantly trying to get that. Again, I'm generalizing. They're trying to get that connection. They're trying different ways to get it. Um, and so in this scenario, you're the one who maybe comes forward and says, Hey, what are we? Are we dating? Do you even like me? What is this relationship? Because your brain is just like, am I safe here? Again, can I depend on this person? What do I need to do to get this person to love me? That kind of thing. And then we have anxious avoidance is where you can see sort of a mixture of both where you're kind of, some people call it disorganized attachment, where you're kind of like, sometimes you're reaching for connection, but then you can Pull back, and there isn't really a solid pattern. Um, again, both of those two sort of attachment styles are combined into one. It's a little cocktail of insecure attachment, and then we have secure attachment, where you're typically like maybe you're good at communication. Maybe you know that like you know if you have a breakup, you'll be okay. You're like this is unfortunate. You're much more able to handle the ups and downs in life. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, you don't get hurt and you don't get sad, but it just means that you have a much more, like a higher capacity to handle relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, as compared with the other three attachment styles. So that is that. And what happened was I had started to look for answers for what was wrong in my relationship. And of course, at the time I thought it was me and I found attachment and I read the book attached. Um, and again, while I'm saying these things, I want you to keep in mind that attachment again is a very real thing. All of us have an attachment system. Most of us have attachment wounds or attachment issues. Um, like I said, there are secure people out there. Um, but a lot of people have attachment issues, right? Um, and so I found this book and I was reading it and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I think I'm I think I have anxious attachment. I think this is the problem. And I'm really, like, oh my gosh, my abuser, who of course I wasn't calling them that at the time, must have avoided attachment. And this makes sense because it describes sort of the push-pull in the relationship and how you know one person is pursuing and the other person is withdrawing and this and that and all of that. And again, that is a common relationship dynamic. And actually in the book talks about how it's like one of the hardest relationships to have. Um, and this has nothing to do with abuse. It's just two really wounded people who are trying kind of to be together, but it's just not working out right. Versus secure and avoidant or secure and anxious. They can kind of make it work. Um, cause the secure persons like, oh, I see you're, you're struggling right now. You're, you're, you're withdrawing because this is too much for you. I'm still here. This is fine. Or, oh, you're anxious. You're asking for reassurance. You know, okay. Yes. I'll reassure you. And then we'll go on with our lives versus that push pull dynamic. So I was convinced for a long time that this was an attachment issue. In fact, I made like a series of posts on Instagram sort of talking about what I had learned about attachment and how hard quote unquote, we were working on the relationship. We had come to realize this was a childhood trauma thing. Yes, it's hard work, but we're both putting in the work. We're doing all this stuff and so on. Right. But it was a lot of, um, my abuser had uh, not read the book, but kind of flipped through it and was like, oh, you have disorganized attachment. So it very quickly became this thing of like, yeah, I might be avoidant, but really the problem is you because you're disorganized, you're back and forth, you're, you know, you're push-pull, like, Lindsay, this is kind of all about you and it's all your childhood trauma. Like, if you were something else, this could work, right? So that became another tool for the abuse. Um And and I believed it. So I would come on Instagram and I would, you know, like, what is it like to date someone with a disorganized attachment and how can you help a partner who has disorganized attachment and things like that? Spoiler alert. I do not have disorganized attachment. I think that I am, I I tend to be a little bit more avoidant. Um, Although I didn't always know that. I I kind of always thought that I was more secure, uh, but I tend to avoid more than anything else. Not like extremely, but I, I'm kind of closed off. I'll be honest with you after abuse, it's totally fair to be closed off. Right. Um, but so that became a whole thing. And, um, it, I stayed for a very long time because I just thought that that was the answer and that we could fix it. If I did enough therapy, in fact, I hired like an attachment coach to work with me. And that person really kept me in the relationship because, of course, this person only had my information and my information was my abuser's information. And so this person was working really hard to help me be able to stay in the relationship, just like our couples therapist was really coming at us with my abuser's information because that's what I was delivering too, keeping me in the relationship. And so this is why it's really important to know the difference between attachment issues and an attachment struggle, and a push-pull dynamic in a relationship, and abuse. Because abuse is going to be that, but on crazy steroids, or something like that. Because yes, you will see that push-pull dynamic, you will see um, the back and forth, up and down, you will see one person probably with what seems to be disorganized attachment, and maybe you do have disorganized attachment, because again, childhood trauma, that's a very real thing. But in my case, for example... Sorry, I have to get a drink of water. I didn't have disorganized attachment. I was extremely dysregulated and constantly in fight or flight from long-term, you know, sustained emotional abuse, physical abuse, many different kinds of abuse, which is probably the case for a lot of us. And so when we are survivors of abuse, when we are victims, we're still in it. I like to use victim when we're in it and survivor when we're out, um, you know, that just depends on the person in terms of what word feels comfortable for you, but we're still in these abusive situations. It's very likely that were we to be seen by someone, we would be misdiagnosed. We maybe would be labeled as borderline personality disorder, maybe NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I haven't heard that as much besides like abusers trying to say that their partner was a narcissist um, you know, again, someone being like, Yeah, you seem to have attachment issues. Let's work on your attachment. Um, lots of different things can be thought to be what you're struggling with. So with the abuse, you know, when is it that next level of abuse? And I always like to tell people again, go to the hotline.org, pull up their lists, they have list after list after list of things that are considered abuse um and so basically you know in an attachment issue relationship I'm just going to call that call it that there can be some abuse tactics happening in fact I have been in relationships like that where you just kind of know that the person isn't they're not abusive and they're not doing it on purpose but it's very unfortunate And I've probably done this too. And you've probably done this. It's very unfortunate that like you got these childhood trauma, little triggers, you're feeling hurt and you say something you don't mean. You're blaming the other person. You're not communicating well. So there's these little things that definitely can be abuse tactics, but they're just really unfortunately happening because you were never taught communication. Maybe you don't have secure attachment. You're hurting. And, you know, hopefully in those cases, eventually you come back and you attune, which is, critical in a relationship is that you're able to repair the rupture that has happened so a fight happens you're anxious and avoidant maybe you're like i just i need some time blah, blah 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 you come back and you attune you repair you apologize and genuinely mean it you communicate about what happened once your nervous systems are calm in an abusive relationship that's not going to happen the blaming the blame shifting gaslighting manipulation um you know, guilt tripping, all of these tactics are happening. Maybe there's some physical abuse thrown in there, financial abuse, all of this stuff is happening and there's no attunement. There might be fake attunement where they see that you're packing a bag and trying to leave and they come over and they get on their knees and they're groveling and they're saying, I can't live without you. Or where am I going to live? Or, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm just, Oh, I'm such a sad little baby. Something like that happens, but it's not real attunement. I remember times when quote-unquote attunement would happen, and I still felt yucky. I still did not feel genuinely safe or hopeful that things were actually going to get better. You sort of... I feel like a lot of times we know. It's just it's so hard to listen to our gut in these situations because we've been, you know, being gaslighted this whole time, and so it's like, what am I feeling? Is this real? Um but I would feel yucky. And here's an example is one time we were in a <clears throat> couple therapy and I was very upset. This was near the end of the relationship, like maybe a few months before we broke up. And I was, I mean, I mean, I was most of the time in therapy, I would be curled up in a little ball. And I remember like going to therapy, feeling like I was, it was two against one. And I was going to have to just survive my way through this hour. And my abuser put their arm around me and the therapist was like, Lindsay, they put their arm around you. What does this mean to you? And I said, I know what it's supposed to mean, but I don't feel like it really means that. And I also said, I know that as soon as we hang up here, it's going to be just like it always is. AKA, this is just happening right now because they're trying to show you how hard they're working. They're pretending during therapy that they're working really hard with me, but the reality is the actions aren't matching up with their words. You know what I'm saying? And so... You will eventually get a sense of whether or not it's actual attunement. If it's actual attunement, you're hopefully leaving that conversation feeling safe. You're able to go to sleep next to this person knowing that they're genuinely trying and you're genuinely trying versus feeling still just unseen, unheard, confused about what just happened um, and just not loved. Like you're just like, all right, well, we ended the conversation, I guess on a good note and they're already asleep and your mind is still racing and your mind's still going. Again, I I hope that those two differences and the biggest thing for me is, is that attunement happening after a rupture or is it just like rupture and sweep it under the rug? Yes. Sometimes in healthy relationships, it's swept under the rug because you have to go to work or one of you has a work trip and they're gone for two weeks or something, or the kids are there and you haven't had time to talk. Of course, life isn't perfect. It's not a movie. You know, someone's not going to chase you down on a motorcycle in New York city and you get out of the cab and you hug and then you don't move to another place for your job. You end up staying with this person. I'm talking about how to lose a guy in 10 days. And you know, that's not real life. So yes, that can happen, but in an abusive relationship more often than not, it's they're false apologizing and expecting you to sweep under the rug, whatever's happened. They physically abused you. You need to sweep it under the rug. They cheated on you. Sweep it under the rug. And it's always going to be some kind of like, I'm sorry you feel this way. I'm sorry you're hurt. Um, I wouldn't have cheated on you if you hadn't done this. Or it's all because when we were first hanging out, you were talking to this other person and I still just feel so hurt by it. So I had to go and reach back to my 14 other exes and just get some comfort for them because I'm so broken. You know, it's just always this sob story on and on, just kind of like talking in circles. None of it really makes sense. So again, you'll still feel confused. You'll still be like, I really don't know where I stand in this relationship. I don't know if I'm loved. I don't know if this person's capable of loving. I don't even know if I love them at this point. Um, it's still just going to be a very confusing time, right? Now, all that um, aside, I really do encourage you, if you're still confused about whether it's abuse or not, to go to hotline.org again and look at each section of, you know, you just go to the hotline.org and then they have a tab if you scroll down called identify abuse. And then there's one called warning signs of abuse. They talk about why people abuse. It's all kind of stuff. It's free right here. Um, and each kind of abuse has several sort of, you know, this is what this looks like emotional abuse, call you names, insulting you, criticizing you, acting jealous or possessive, refusing to trust you, isolating you from family or friends or people in your life because it makes someone easier to control, monitoring, monitoring your activities, attempting to, to, sorry, attempting to control what you wear, including clothes, makeup, hairstyles, humiliating you, gaslighting you, um, refusing to listen to you, pretending not to understand, questioning your recollection of facts, um, trivializing your needs or feelings, threatening you, damaging your belongings, blaming you for their behavior, accusing you of cheating, all kinds of stuff, right? I'm just like trying to plow through this list, but if these things are happening. More like, more than likely, it's abuse and not attachment. Again, a little bit of that here and there because of poor communication and attachment issues. You know, you're you're triggered. You're acting out on those panicky um, rejection or abandonment wound feelings. But you were able to, once your nervous system is calm, be like, "That was horrible of me. I was really mean when I came in and yelled at you because dinner wasn't ready yet. I was just so hangry. What I really should have done is just grab a bar and started help, you know, a, a protein bar and started helping you cook. That's not cool. Tomorrow night I'll be more aware. I'll I'll bring an apple to eat on the way home or something like that. The abusive person is not going to do that. The abusive person is going to make this whole thing into a way bigger horrible event than it needed to be. So." I hope that is helpful. This is a really important issue for me because again, yes, attachment is very real. I've given some examples of attachment. Again, it was brief, um, simply to use as like sort of a, this, you know, side by side, this is this, this is that. I didn't go in depth with it, but, um, it's something that did keep me in the relationship and it was something that gave me hope me think really that was what was going on and in the long run was just harming me further and of course like i mentioned my abuser learned about it and also used that to harm me to keep me around to make me feel like i was a problem and all of that stuff so attachment is important please learn about it for yourself for your own healing for your childhood uh emotional neglect and trauma healing and for your own kids i have a lot more compassion for my parents my siblings friends because i now understand attachment Childhood emotional neglect, all that stuff. But I really do not want this to be something that you latch on like I did and have that be one of the many reasons that you're staying longer with an abusive person. That's all for today. Um, I want to remind you that I, again, I am a certified trauma recovery coach. I offer 30 and 60 minute sessions as well as a six week program. Um, I'm starting to add a little bit more to those. Um, I do a lot of working with people who are still in abusive relationships and need that help understanding what's going on, making a safety plan, figuring out where they're going to go, what they're going to do with their things and getting out, um and starting that healing process. I also work with people who are already out and just really are trying to find themselves again. Those are two of my sort of sweet spot passion areas. Um, I really just want you to be okay and to to know that you can be happy and healthy and safe again. Um, because that's what I've been working on and it's really near and dear to my heart. So, um, got that going on. And I also have my LGBTQ plus, uh, survivor support group one Saturday a month. Check that out. You can find all of those, um, sort of booking informations on thelindseygumman.com. Just click on the coaching tab. Okay. Um, (laughs) sorry, my brain just sort of turned off there. Also, I want to say, thank you for listening. As always, I really appreciate all of you who, um, spend your valuable time listening to this podcast. Um, if you like it, please rate, review, subscribe, whether you're on um, listening to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or if you're watching this on YouTube, I really want to get this into the ears of the people who need this the most and your interactions really do, um, make that happen. I do read all of the reviews that come up on, um, Apple, uh, iTunes. So I really appreciate that. That is all I have for now, so please go and take care of yourselves and drink some water. I'll be back with more next week.